Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margot Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is a food lifestyle show on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. Brought to us tonight by Petite Pet Care. While you're at work or recovering from New Year's Eve, you don't have to board your pet. He can stay in the comfort of his own home. For loving care when you're not there, Petite Pet Care. Find them at PetitePetCare.com. Now, each week on Midnight Menu Plus One, Margo and I invite a member of New Orleans' restaurant and food community to join us, and we invite them to bring along their own guest, a Plus One. We never know who the Plus One's going to be. Sometimes it's a friend, a neighbor, family member, a fellow restaurant colleague. Well, tonight we're at the Tap Room. The NOLA Brewing Tap Room is NOLA Brewing's on-site watering hole located in the Irish Channel. The Tap Room serves NOLA's regular lineup of craft beers as well as eight specialty brews that you can't get anywhere else. Open weekdays from 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. and weekends from 11 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. Well, Margo, our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One is Chef Marcus Woodham of uh, Tivoli and Lee at the Hotel Modern at the most iconic roundabout uh, in the southeast. I can't wait to talk to him and his mystery guest in just a moment. But uh, while we prepare for that, just wondering uh, how the food was in, in, in Santa Fe. You were, you were out of town, right? Yes, we went on an impromptu trip to Santa Fe, and um, I'm embarrassed to say, though, I did not think you were going to ask me about food out of town. So you went to Applebee's the whole time? No, (laughs) but I didn't eat much uh, Mexican food or New Mexican food. I, um, I had, like, things that we can't get here, like Great Thai, and um, I had Moodoo Noodles, which is like a been there for 20 years and uh asian food it was delicious um Uh, indian food all right uh so it was i know it's a very international city real small but it's got uh, all kinds of different cultures there so it makes sense yeah it was great did you uh we went to lafayette and the reason why we go to lafayette people always are surprised by that but it's because i've got i've gone i get crankier and crankier already in this uh at this stage of my life i can't i can't vacation anywhere where i don't enjoy the food and I basically don't enjoy the food anywhere anymore. Basically, there's New York, Chicago, and Lafayette. That's it. That's the only places I can go. Anywhere else, I'm going to lose weight, and I stop eating. because I, I. So Lafayette, I like, because it's like a, to me, it's like a simpler, rural, maybe less nuanced version of New Orleans. And it's, it's, uh, it's you know, just awesome. I mean, uh, we went to Poop Hearts. We always go to the bakery there that we love. And the kids each get to pick out five pastries for uh, in place of lunch and you know, we just we all put on a lot of weight and eat lots of zesty food, and it's just great. And then I got back and went to Rania today for lunch, and that was fantastic. That's I think that's got to be one of my favorite. Oh, it's definitely one of my favorite Mexican places in the city. We had we had uh, Chef uh, Richard on uh, Papier, yeah, Papier on earlier, and uh, love that place so much. Um. Anyway, yeah, my kids are going to end up. Uh, they're going to end up hating New Orleans because of what I've done to them. But, you know, I don't know how else to live. I mean, I can't fake it, right? I can't go and pretend like I like this other city where I can't eat, right? Do you, do you agree? Or? I guess, well, parenting, a lot of parenting is about faking it, isn't it? I don't know. No? I'm faking it. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Kind of like on this show. Yeah, we fake everything here. Um, but, all right, well, enough of that. Uh, really excited to have you on the show, Chef. Welcome, Marcus Woodham. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Now, um, did, where is the restaurant? We're, we're going to get to your past and interrogate you about your lifestyle and life. But um, I want to hear a little bit about what you're doing presently and uh, what that experience is like. Well, right now, so we're uh, Tavoli and Lee is at the Hotel Modern, which is in Lee Circle. Um, you know, we're concentrating a lot on uh, modern southern cuisine. Uh, we say form the table, but what isn't form the table these days, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the idea of, you know, what we're trying to put on a plate is kind of things that I grew up eating and, you know, kind of the, the style of food that I grew up eating, just, you know, making it a little bit nicer. Okay, and, and what kind of uh, food did you grow up eating, and what was your life like growing up? Well, I grew up eating a lot of, uh, a lot of game. There was a lot of, um, a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing where I'm from, you know. Deer where are you from? Right now. Bayagula, Louisiana. All right. Yeah. Right in between uh, Donisonville and Plaquemine. All right. Um, so yeah, you have that of... sexy accent. It's well, not. It's it. not like uh, southern, like typical southern, and and it's not. You know, I, I, I bet I could Brooklyn. go to vacation there. 
What, I probably could go to vacation there. Yeah, right. I mean, right. the food's good. The food's edible oh, there. It's delicious. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee yeah, yeah, right? it. <laughs> My mom would take good care of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, now there's five places. All right. right on. <laughs> Got next Christmas plan. That's cool. So, what was it like growing up there? You grew up. Um, is it small? Oh, it's very uh, small. It's a very tiny town. Um, it's it's all sugarcane fields. Uh, it's right, in, you know, my parents live, you know, all her um, brothers and sisters live in one row, and it's all right in the middle of our sugarcane fields. And uh, so, you know, we hunted a lot. We, uh, I say we hunted a lot. My stepdad and my uncles and them hunted a lot. Uh, I was more so into playing sports, uh, playing basketball, football. Um, and who in your family, was your mom a good cook? I oh, mean, yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah. She was good. You know, my grandmother was phenomenal. Uh, my grandmother always had a pot of gumbo on, you know. Uh, could never go to her house without eating something, you know. She'd force feed you, basically. So, I mean, you say you ate a lot of game. I mean, was that like once a week? Was that like a lot? I mean, how often were you eating stuff that somebody shot in your family? Oh, the freezer's full, you know. The freezer's always full. So, it's so like you, you didn't buy much at the grocery store in no, terms of meat. Almost everything was stuff that you've shot. So, like, what's the most, what's the most exotic thing that, you, that your family regularly shot? Well, I mean, we, you know, I don't know exotic, but I mean, you know, there's squirrel, you know, uh, no, that's pretty exotic to me. I've never had squirrel. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of how we grew up, you know. And it's, it was always I mean, Nutria, funny. you ever have Nutria? No. You know, we never had Nutria. Never had Nutria. <laughs> but uh, squirrel was always funny. I brought a, I brought a guy from uh, Mississippi home with me uh, one day. And you figure Mississippi, they would eat some of the same things that we do. But uh, So he goes to lift a pot at my grandmother's house. And it's a bunch of bunch of squirrel heads bobbing. Like <laughs> <laughs> bobbing like buoys. And he's just freaked out. You know, he's completely Wait, freaked what out. Wait, what were the heads doing in the gumbo? Oh, you crack them and you suck the brain up. What? <laughs> did not know that. Seriously, did you know that, Margo? Well, I mean, it's not unheard of in never, cultures. Well, no, it's unheard of in my house. I've never heard of that. Well, I mean, I've never 46 eaten that, did but, not know that. But there's like hog's over, head huh? cheese and stuff. Why wouldn't right. there, why wouldn't you eat the All right, I'm not against it morally or anything. It's just freaking me out. I've never heard I've never heard of it. Does it make the gumbo richer too to cook it in it or really is it just to eat the head? Well, it's more eat. so to eat, but I mean it's like it's like any stock that you would do with bones, you know, so it'll, it'll add a little more flavor to it. Yeah. Wait, so was the fur off of it at this point? How do you know they were squirrels? That was the rug, you know. How do you know they weren't like babies or something? Like, how did he know? Like, so do you? Uh, I don't know. You have to ask my grandmother. <laughs> did your grandmother actually uh, skin? Did you? Oh, my grandfather or somebody. Your grandfather. Whoever, yeah. What do you crack the head Whoever open with? Shoot, uh, the back of a butter knife. Hunts? The back of a butter knife. It's that tender. That's pretty tender. Well, you got to give it a good whack, you know. Wow, didn't expect this already. We're five minutes in, I'm already shocked. Okay, I'm speechless. That's amazing. Would you ever serve something like that in your restaurant? I mean, has Squirrel ever been on the uh, menu? No, I mean, it's got to be, you know, it's got to go through a commercial. I don't know any commercial. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a squirrel commercial. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe we can back someone there, Maybe you can bring day, that right? back or have the squirrel festival. Right? It just tastes like chicken anyway, right? <laughs> you know, there's not much on it, man, but it's... Uh, it's good. Yeah. Okay, what else? A squirrel? That, that's that. That's not all you got. You got more than that. I yeah, guarantee I mean, it. Was squirrel. It was turtle. Obviously, a lot of deer. Um, yeah. Okay. That's that's a little more standard. Yeah. Some ducks. We didn't do much duck hunting. It was mostly deer hunting. And, uh, a lot of sackalay fishing. Uh, I didn't hear you. Sackalay. Sackalay. It's like What's a little, It's a white. It's like a white crappie. Um, it's a freshwater fish. Smaller fish. You fry it whole, pretty much. You know. Um, so there was a lot of that, and then. Like I said, not many ducks. Uh, definitely a lot of deer, though. Deer okay. all the time. Uh, yeah. So um, what was your first foray into the restaurant world? I mean, what was your first job? My first job was, uh, so I played basketball at ULM for two years. Got kind of burnt out, you know, realized I wasn't going to make it to the NBA. Look at me, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of gave up on that. Came back here to go to uh, LSU. So I went to LSU and then... I needed a job, so I started talking to my neighbor. He was a general manager of a restaurant, uh, so I just started chatting with him, and uh, he brought me in as a busboy. You know, and that was when was that? that? What's that, brother? When was that? That was 2002, 2003, maybe? Okay. Yeah. So he brought me in as, uh, as a busboy. I did that for like two weeks, um, and then I had this lady, as I'm cleaning this lady's plate, she's, uh, she had some eggplant dish. I don't remember what it was, but she was like, please go tell whoever cooked this. That this is, you know, this is the best eggplant I've ever had. And I was like, well, yes, ma'am, you know, definitely. Uh, so I grabbed a plate, and I'm bringing it back, and I'm thinking, I was like, man, I want someone to tell me this one day, <laughs> you know? Uh, 
So I was always very competitive, and you know, I, you know, I enjoyed that competitive feel. And, and so you know, I asked the chef, I was like, and no one's ever gonna go. This is the cleanest busing that's ever yeah, happened. Right, right, yeah, right. <laughs> Look at this fork. You, know? you send the chef out here. I wanted to tell him that this busboy cleaned this table better than you know. You knew you knew you had to get some. You go somewhere right, from there. Right. Yeah. And you know, so two weeks later, I was in the kitchen, you know, and it just kind of fell from there, you know. And I I appreciated. It still had that locker room feel, you know, that I was always used to playing sports. You know, it was, it was a team. It was everybody's working against, you know, working for this, you know, one goal, but still being very competitive with each other, you know. So competitive really, to better yourself and, and to correct. elevate what y'all are doing. And I want to put out the dish faster than you can and make it taste uh, better. You know, but we're all still working towards the same thing, but we're, you know, all competitive in that sense. Yeah, you know? that's so nice. Yeah. I mean, I like to... I've not heard that perspective. Right. I think that's great. I loved it, you know. And that, that, I think I fell in love with that more so than the food, you know. Um, at that point in my life, as I grew up, I was I was kind of a picky eater. I know you see with the squirrel and everything, but I mean, I was, <laughs> you know, there were certain things that I liked and certain things I didn't like, you know. Um, so how'd you discover you had a gift? I mean, how'd you how'd you learn that you were a good cook? I I don't I don't know if there was this ever moment that I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a good cook. I think it was just. I don't know. Like I said, I think I just fell in love with all of us doing something together. And I think with that, just continuing to want to better myself and continuing to, to study and be a student of, you know, of the culinary industry. Um, reading a lot, you know, just things like that. So what was your, how long did you stay in that kitchen? And what was your next? I was there for, I was there for about a year and a half. And then I picked up a movie gig. Movie gig? Uh, yeah, I was catering for movies. Oh, um, I thought you were yeah, like no, acting. No, no. no. Like, wow. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> yeah. no, no. Have we seen you in anything? Yeah. So I was catering for movies, and that's when uh, Katrina hit. Uh, and then, so we finished that movie, and that was kind of that was kind of that. And then, I guess about six months after Katrina, I was dating a girl from New Orleans, and uh, so we was like, shit on it, let's go, let's move, you know. So we moved up here, started working with uh, John Besh over at Luke. Wow. That was your. Your first, first job, job in New Orleans was right. with John Besh. Yeah. Wow. So what were you doing? I was a salad guy. Yeah. 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 Did salads. And, you know, I moved up pretty quick over there. Um, and then went on from there. And I got a call from Alex Harrell at uh, Sylvain. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. He, he obviously wasn't at Sylvain at the time. Um, he called me and he told me that Patois was opening. Uh, he had friends, Aaron and them, were opening yeah, a yeah. restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Patois. was one of our first guests on the show when we started a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. We love Aaron. Yeah, I love Aaron. He's a great people. Yeah. Uh, so he told me about Aaron, man, and I went and meet with Aaron. And boom, I was there for about now, five weren't you, and a half you years. Were, weren't you sous chef at uh, Patois or no? Yeah. 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 So I started uh, opening it, you know, opened it with those guys and then... Uh, you know, a couple months into it, Aaron promoted me, you know, just through hard work. Um, you know, kind of here I am, I guess. Yeah, and Patois ended up being, like, top ten restaurant in the Game oh, Weekly yeah. for uh, years and been acclaimed. And you, a, were there at the, you, were there at the, you were there at the beginning? or? Yeah, I was there at the beginning. Open Very the, beginning. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess so, so what was that like? I mean, y'all were, as far as a team, you were obviously all working together, but that had to be a raucous uh, group because they, they, uh, they, they, they yeah, see a lot of Jack Daniels. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was great, man. Great guys. You know, Aaron is super talented, super talented. He, he introduced me to a lot of ingredients and things that I haven't seen before and things that I haven't worked with. Um, and Leon, you know, his partner told yeah. me a lot about the business side of it, you know, which is, and I'm very fortunate for that because I feel like a lot of young chefs or just chefs in general coming up, you know, you, you learn the food side of things, but you don't really learn the business side of it. Um, so I was very fortunate for Leon for that. Hmm. Now, how'd you know it was time to leave the other, to leave Luke to go to... Oh, look at this. I'm wow. sorry. No, that's my sorry. kid's friend um, FaceTiming him to play Minecraft. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Wait a second. Now I see my face again. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, just answer and say, hey. He's eight show. years old. You want to answer it? See if he has a question for uh, Chef Marcus. Wow, this is a professional operation we got going here. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, how would you know it was time to leave Luke to go to Patois? Was, yeah, I guess it was a promotion. Probably, probably there wasn't a, the well, sous chef position was already full at Luke. Or? Yeah, that, it, that was full. and it, I, I guess I like the idea of – I really trusted Alex in his opinion. Um, and, you know, I like the idea of a smaller place. You know, mm. it was something where I could – be more hands-on and it, you know i just wasn't pumping out covers after covers after covers i could actually you know i could actually put my hands on everything that you know from 
from it coming in the door to it getting on a plate and everything in the middle. So I enjoyed that. And um, what about, how do you learn, um, but I understand like new ingredients, you, you work with it and you taste it and you see it go out, and, um, but is plating and um, things like that, is that uh, something that you learned as well? I mean, it, was that important? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, is that is that or is that? Like I, I think it's definitely important. I mean, you know, you want something to look good. You know, you want a plate to look. You want a dish to look nice. Um, and I, you know, I learned that through Aaron, and I learned that with uh, Philip Lopez over at Root a lot. You know, he taught me a lot of plating and stuff like that, and um, different colors on on plates. You know, and those kind of things. Uh, I definitely think it's important. You know. So, do you think everything is learned? I mean, is can be learned, or do you have to have some? I think you gotta have some natural, inst- I don't know if instinct's the word, but you know, love and passion for anything you're doing. You know, whether we're doing this or whether you guys are doing this, or mm-hmm. you know, if you're in a rock band, you gotta be passionate about it. You know, and if, if you're not passionate about it, I think it shows whether it's on a plate or whether it's in a cocktail or it's you know whatever it may be in, you know, or the okay. song, you know, or things like that, you know. Mm. <laughs> well, speaking of passionate. I want to know, It's we've come to the part of the show where you introduce your plus one. So uh, I want to know why you're passionate about this guy next to you. Or uh, maybe that's a, too strong of a word. That's a weird, that's yeah. a weird way <laughs> okay. to phrase it. I'm sorry. He's so handsome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I saw him ride up on a bike, and uh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty. I think you're projecting, Margo. Pre- I, think yeah. you're <laughs> about I think you're more passionate about him. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think right? the voice and then, and then seeing someone ride up on a bike in this freezing New Orleans weather, is, I'm, I'm just all excited here. Sorry. So wow. who, who have you brought with you tonight? Uh, so this evening we have uh, Kirk, who is a, uh, who's the owner of uh, Cure Belloc and a Canaan Table. Wow. That's, yes, that's me. Hi, guys. Hi, Kirk. Thank you. What an honor to have you. Boy, thanks. So how do you guys know each other? Uh, Proximity at first. (laughs) Um, So um, as as Marcus just said, um, you know, I'm one of the partners in the Cure Co. company. Uh, We have those three establishments. Uh, One of them is Belloc, which is actually just next door to Tivoli and Lee where Marcus works. So we met through that. Uh, through, you know, borrowing cups of sugar and borrowing <laughs> this and, you know, and then we, we realized that we we're both in charge. So then we, then we have a kindred spirit of, uh, you know, talking about what's going on day to day in the in the in the lower ends of the restaurants mm-hmm. and the bar, you know, and and working in the hotel, which is a much more uh, complex uh, system of uh, working and operating from being like a standalone owner to a hotel project. It's a much different vibe. So, you know, we're, you know, we cry on each other's shoulders mm-hmm. and we talk about good ideas and we, you know, Marcus does all the food for us at Belloc. So we work on that a little bit together and, ah. you know, that, that kind of thing. So I didn't realize that. Okay. Synergy there, huh. you know. Yeah. And so what kind of menu you have at Belloc? Um, right now, it's the best one we've ever had. Uh, so we've had like a few different menus over the years there. Right now, it's really the first one that's really focused on the sort of service style that's capable and possible at Belloc. So Belloc is loungy. So we don't have like a table that you can sit at per se, right? So knife and fork food really just doesn't work. It's, it's more it's finger a difficult food. thing, yeah. So we wanted something that was finger food, but we didn't want it to be like finger food. We wanted it to be something that had some cool vibe and also showed, you know, Marcus's style. You know, it, we could have just forced our hand and been like, we, it needs to be on brand, you know, like 19th century food, but nobody wants to eat like tongue and, and aspic, you know. <laughs> so, so Marcus put together this great menu. Um, the, the focal point of the menu, I think, is the, the what we call the uh, bread and fixins. So it's this really good country bread that's toasted, and it's little things in jars, different things. Um, Marcus makes this really great uh, smoked devil's ham. Uh, my favorite is the pickled egg salad, uh, pimento cheese. Uh, smoked gulp fish that's whipped, lots of different things like that, and it, it works really well for that communal environment. It's all tasty. It feels uh, authentic in New Orleans, especially. 
And, you know, Belloc is a still a New Orleans bar, even though we're 19th century cocktails. 19th right. century cocktails did exist in New Orleans, and some of that food would have been around, you know? Right, right. Um, New Orleans is the place that invented the cocktail, basically, for well, yeah, America. Well, yeah, well, theoretically. Right. I, yeah. I, I'm not one. That, I don't believe in that, actually. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, we like to say it in New Orleans. Yeah. It's, a, it's an important thing to say. Right. I would say that New Orleans preserved the cocktail, um, better than anyone else um but we did not invent it you know for sure okay so who did invent the cocktail then uh it's unknown it's muddy waters you know uh (laughs) we we talk about bar etymology so like uh every cocktail invented was invented in a bar uh with guests that were drinking drinks stories get twisted and turned and people take credit for things and you understand? Yeah, that's what uh, happens at bars. Yeah. Right, right. So, but <laughs> in the uh, there's an old uh, newspaper called The Balance uh, that was based out of New York. Um, and in 18, I think it's nine, 09 now. Like we keep finding new older articles um, that the first like empirical evidence of the cocktail is like 1809, 1813, huh. and that's the first uh, mention of that. And and right. that's hard to say because what we think of as cocktails now are not cocktails as they were then uh. cocktail was actually a drink uh much like the martini right uh, and then in the 80s and 90s we had martini phases where there's right. full martini menus but right. none of those were actually martinis the same with cocktail right, right. A cocktail is uh, spirit bitters sugar and water okay so the original cocktail you had whiskey cocktail gin cocktail brandy cocktail every other cocktail that you could pour in a bottle, but, like, it was just the same drink over and over again. Ah, uh, just know? different liquor. Right, right. Just different spirits, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're bumming me out. Next thing you know, you're going to tell me that jazz wasn't invented here. Hey, man. Mardi Gras wasn't I'm invented not, here. You know, I'm not a historian. <laughs> Heretic. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Get a match. Mardi Get a match. Mardi Gras was not invented. Yeah, Mardi Gras was Come on, you two. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, we, but we did no, hold on to it like no one else's business. That's the beauty of right. New Orleans, in my opinion, is that we actually have an independent culture in a, in a country Right. that has sort of assumed a similar culture across right, the right. board. I'm sort um, of monoculture, and this has always been different. But we've kept it yeah. and kept it. You know, like yeah. the Sazerac cocktail you could get in the 70s in New Orleans, the 60s in New Orleans, the 30s in New Orleans, the 90s right. in New Orleans. Right. It would have been a hard call to, say, go to Chicago and get a Sazerac in 1970. It would right. have been tough. Right, right, right. right. Um, and I think that's an important aspect of our culture. Hmm. Can y'all uh, tell me um, what Tivoli is? Yeah, and so Martin, no, you, you got it. Okay. So, uh, I, as not the historian, I'll Didn't that used to be the name of the circle before yeah, yeah. his, so before it was his Tivoli Lee. Circle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lee and Circle there's was a, called. There's that place still called Tivoli. Tivoli Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, Lee Circle was called Tivoli Circle. There was a beautiful garden there called Tivoli Gardens. Yeah. Um, our, actually, our LLC for Belloc is actually uh, Tivoli Circle. Oh. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the whole idea. It was like it's like the new and the in the the past and the present, Tivoli and Lee, you know. Um, but yeah, that's where the whole name. That was a big carousel, correct? It, there was a carousel there for for a short time. In the middle of oh. the circle. Uh huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wish it was still like a beautiful garden. There's some old pictures. It wasn't even a hill. It was a flat <laughs> circle roundabout with with like uh, planted rows of like azalea. Yeah. And, at the time, which were like exotic uh, right. Asian plants that we now everyone has in their yards, you know. Right. I have problems with Lee Circle. One of them is like, I don't think Lee ever visited New Orleans, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't think he ever visited here. Second of all, this is the least Confederate city in the South. It right. surrendered to a Navy. There wasn't even a soul. In Virginia, there's like men with one leg, women dressing as men, 12-year-old boys fighting to death. They'd still be fighting if Lee hadn't surrendered. In New Orleans, they surrendered to like a boat that came into the harbor like yeah. two weeks right. after right. Fort Sumter. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's only, it's <laughs> Louisiana was the only state in the, in the South that didn't vote for secession, basically. Right. Didn't so, right. vote for secession as candidate. So why name like our, our iconic thing after the iconic Southern guy when it's the least Southern city? I, I never like that. Who knows? I mean, one other thing I don't like if you ha- if you have any say on this, <laughs> if you can talk to somebody in City Hall, I hate how at Mardi Gras um, they put that big, ugly, nasty chain link fence around Lee Circle, and make it so hideous. Oh, yeah. agreed, agreed. And it's like why can't they just put a permanent wrought iron like eleven foot fence around, just leave it open all day, mm-hmm. and then at Mardi Gras lock it up? 
I mean, that would probably save money anyway. Yeah, the the cost that, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you can talk to somebody about that, I'd also, love that. you could lock it up at night so it wasn't right. like a, a bum playground. Exactly, because it becomes a bum playground. I've been by there at three yeah, in the morning, know, and it's like yeah, scary. Yeah. Tell me you about know? it. Yeah, my friend got mugged at the gas station right across the street Let's from there by a couple of people that live right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not good for business, is it? Gray over all that. No, 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 no. New Orleans. No, we love all the things on Lee Circle besides the statue of Robert E. Lee. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. I mean, one day they'll probably take it down. That would be my Yeah. But I mean, before they do that, can they at least like put that fence around? You can talk to anybody about that. I've been yeah. this is I've been pushing on this for years. And no one's listening. I would to like me. if it just was lit. Yeah, that would be nice too. Yeah. Well, speaking of lit, I love the way that the uh, Hotel Modern's lit. That's kind of cool. The, yeah, it looks uh, yeah. Nice. yeah, it looks really good. It's kind of iconic too. Like yeah. about the only thing in the area that's lit like that. Right, right. Agreed. Yeah, it looks good. The sign looks good on it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I don't want to be a bummer, but one of my questions was to get back to what is the major difference between working in a hotel? I mean, you're 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 a chef and you don't work your your creative endeavors are your own, right? But what but where does the hotel get involved? Somebody said a few in cocktails back there. Uh, how does that does that inhibit what you either of y'all do in any way? It's, it's not inhibiting whatsoever. As far as the creative aspects, I mean, at least for me, I, I won't speak for Marcus, but I, I'm pretty sure it's the same. We're kind of giving carte blanche on, like, the intellectual property. Um, where a hotel gets complicated is, you know, the paperwork, the requisitions for cash, the everything. You know, it's a much more complex system. You know, when you're used to being in, like, a smaller operation, you're like, we need a chair, so you go buy a chair. In a hotel, you say, we need a chair. They're like, we want to see three different chairs. What are the quotes for the three different chairs? You understand? And then it, sometimes it gets and to And six months down. later, you got a yeah, chair. Yeah, yeah, if you're lucky. You know? yeah. So that's where the hotel thing can be a little more complex. You know? right, right. As far as like our creative output, I don't think it's affected whatsoever. No. I think actually, the, and you can quote me on this, I think that our, um, the cocktail program at Belloc uh, is my favorite. You know, of the company, uh, I think it's really, wow. really delicious. I think the drinks are fantastic there. Um, well, you so know, we we no probably rain. should ask you this at the onset, but like, uh, explain for our listeners who aren't familiar the distinction between the vision for Cure and the vision for uh, Belloc. Sure. Uh, so Cure came around at a time when the sort of craft cocktail was just starting to take off. Um, there was a movement of it in New York, Chicago. Some large markets had bars that were really focused on it. Um, Cure is focused on that style. And what it really is is a sort of mild reinterpretation of classic cocktails. So it's a mildly modernist take on classic drinks. Um, So that's very much what Cure is, right? We do fancy cocktails. It's very focused on wide selection uh, and well-attended cocktails, right? Um, Belloc is focused on a very specific... Uh, beginning and end time of cocktail making in the history of America, whereas mm-hmm. Cure is a much more broad sense. You can get, you know, Cure is more focused. So Belloc's like the preservation hall of uh, exactly. of bars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what we focus on at Belloc is a drink form called the Cobbler that is actually not cocktail, as I said earlier. Um, it was around in the same time as cocktail, um, but it was a subcategory, uh, and it's fortified wine drinks. So the major player there is that the drinks at Belloc are actually more wine forward less alcoholic for the most part based around things like sherry and port and madeira uh which were the more popular spirits of the time because they were around more Um, available uh and madeira especially since it was very very popular in the americas uh and it's indestructible it was very popular in new orleans like weather does not affect it you could have a barrel of madeira in your attic in new orleans for 10 years and pull off of it really yeah that's the beauty of madeira i had no idea yeah so that comes from that place. island in Portugal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's from Madeira. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's one of the which port does too, I guess. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah. it's, a, it's like their Canary Island, right? Right. Exactly. Basically, it's off of Africa. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. uh, ports are mildly different. It's it is not uh, heat press processed, um, but it's similar in idea. It's wine that they put a stabilizer in, and that stabilizer is usually young brandy. Huh. And um, Marcus. Um, has cocktails influenced you in, in, in your process in the restaurant? I mean, has y'all proximity crossed over in any way and influenced what you Well, I think the produce? style of things that they're doing is 
you know, whenever I'm doing a menu for Belloc, you know, I want to keep with, you know, their their style, which he spoke about earlier, you know, and, uh, you know, and kind of that time period, but also kind of, you know, what, you know, what we do at the Bowling Lee and what, you know, what I, what I like to do. Um, so, you know, we do have like Brundad on the menu, which is kind of an old school salt cod, you know, no one really does anymore. It's my favorite. Yeah. Um, so Say it again. It's hard to hear in here. Uh, Say it again. Brundad. Okay. So, yeah, it's just salt cod. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, well, it's like Which actually would go great with the Madeira, right? Because yeah, that's yeah, uh, right, that's right. what they eat, and yeah, okay, yeah. that's that's so the that dish kinda, I think of that island, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So that was kind of the idea, you know. Uh, you know, like he said, we're trying to stay away from the stuff in aspic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's some it's of your favorite sexy, dishes yeah. that you're uh, put out right now? If, if, uh, d- and I don't, what do you like to eat? <laughs> <laughs> She's paleo right now. Which makes yeah. It hard. Yeah. Oh, paleo. No, I'm not. My husband oh. is. I eat everything. But uh I don't even understand what paleo is. No, I know. Please explain. Like Wikipedia yeah. it. Isn't it like dinosaur steaks and stuff? It's basically it's like nothing like processed. processed. Yeah. And stuff yeah. Like. And, and and yeah, uh I guess no dairy. Nothing um you know, it's like hunter gatherer right, basically. Right. So you eat like a handful of berries and a handful of nuts all day. Yeah, once meat. In a while. And, uh-huh. You know, you you Things you to hunt, cook it. fish. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm it's sorry to take us off topic. No, it's all right. <laughs> no, yeah. I, was, I was curious. No, I've been curious. I hear that a lot. I just bought a paleo cookbook to try and, because I feel bad, you know, I'm not cooking for you, him. You keep making much. pasta for him and stuff. <laughs> yeah. he's, not, he's not able to eat. Pasta and cream. Yeah. Pasta right. with noodles. <laughs> with, uh, with, with butter. Yeah. Um. So, Marcus, have you traveled much, or um, you know, are you mostly inspired by your roots? Yeah, mostly with roots, you know. Yeah. Um, no, nah, I don't get out too often, man. If I do, it's going back home, you know, yeah. go see my mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And, Kirk, where are you from? Marrero. Yeah? Yeah, I'm from the West Bank. <laughs> wow. Yeah, where born and raised. Uh, it's, uh, you know, if you go across the bridge that people are okay. afraid to go across. <laughs> I've, been to, I've been to the West Bank before. <laughs> right? yeah. So, uh, you know I where, you know where Target is? On the no. West Bank or Best Buy? No. It's a little further than the Best okay. Buy. <laughs> no, it's basically uh, it's Barataria, so uh, near Lafitte. Uh, if you take um, the interstate across the bridge and then take uh, the Barataria exit, go down Barataria. I grew up way back there, like really near Lafitte, actually, like at the very end of uh, Barataria in, in Marrero. By Jean Lafitte Park? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so how did you get to be from the kid, the guy that grew up in Marrero to, uh, you know, a philosopher king of uh, cocktails? I mean, you're obviously an historian of it, and you have one of the more um, thoughtful, interesting selections of cocktails in both the places that you involved in. Uh, you know, had, had that happen? Where'd you get? Well, how'd you get from point A to, to that? Well, a lot of people like Marcus moved here when the storm came. Uh, my business partner, Neil, actually is from here, but was living in New York. He moved back when the storm came. Um, when the storm came for me, I actually left town. Um, I worked for the Simolina company. Uh, you know, they used to have all those pasta restaurants yeah. here. Uh, now there's Zia. Uh, I think there's still a Simolina's and Mazzato is their new one, right? Um, but I was working for them. Uh, I had done the whole, like, from busboy all the way to manager thing in their company. I was working sort of in the corporate office for them. And I really despised my life and my job. Uh, and then when the storm came, um, there, a bunch of stuff closed. It was very unsure what was going to happen. Uh, my wife worked for Saks, which caught fire because uh, it was looted. Um, and they offered, Saks offered their employees a move. Um, and the two places that Melanie were offered to go were either New York or Chicago. Um, I had been to both. Um, I was like, you know, New York would be really cool, but I knew the realities of New York. Uh, a lot of my friends live there. You go there, you work a whole lot. All the cool shit that you, I don't know, can I say that? Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. All the cool <laughs> things that you can do uh, in New York, you can't really do if you live there unless you, like, make a good deal of money. And I knew right. I was just going to be a restaurant guy and basically just hate my life again. Uh, so, um, I it's really kind of worse because you have all the stuff dangling in front of you. Exactly. You can't, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you, like, and you, you know, I grew up in New York and then, bills yeah. everywhere you go. All right. Um, so, um, I went to Chicago. Uh, I had a really good friend who I grew up with that was there, uh, and there was a restaurant opening, and my friend was like, you know, if I can get you a job today if you come. So I went, 
and my wife did the transfer to Saks, and I got a job at this place called Del Toro, uh, which was owned by these guys uh, that have an organization called One Off. They're a big restaurant group there. They have Publican and now the Violet Hour and uh, Big Star and Nico and all these great restaurants. Blackbird is one of them. Avec, which has an awesome Brian Dodd, by the way. Um, so they took me on as a food runner because that was the only position that they didn't have full. I worked there for a few months, w- made it all the way to service manager. Uh, and then we had a, par- a partner there that stole like 90 grand within the first nine months, and we closed. Um, when they closed, uh, they were going to flip that location into this place, the Violet Hour, uh, which was a fancy cocktails bar. And I had been doing the bar program at Del Toro, and they were like, we like what you do. Why what you year is this? See? This is 2005, six. Okay. Um, so not too long before you opened Cure, really. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. I mean, I had been bartending on and off for 13 years, you know, uh-huh. and working in the industry. But, like, it was the first time I really, really took it seriously and was around a group of people that looked at it in a culinary sense. Um, but it really, at Del Toro, I worked for uh, Andrew Zimmerman. He was a chef uh, who now runs Sepia in Chicago. He's uh, two Michelin stars. And he's basically like my food mentor. Um, and he showed me the light, really. Uh, and I basically learned how to cook through him. Um, and when they offered me the Violet Hour thing, I was like, that sounds great. They had a three-month training program. Uh, the first two weeks were nine-hour days, seven days a week. And I was like, this sounds really serious. I want to do this. So I did it, and I liked it. And then I found out that I was good at it. Um, so from there, I worked there for about a year. I started a consulting company, uh, and I did some consulting for our, our chef there called Sean McLean, who had a few restaurants there at the time. He's now, I think, semi-retired. Um, but I worked for him doing his beverage programs. I was bartending at Violet Hour. And then I decided it was time to come home. Mm. And I moved home the week of Tales of the Cocktail in 2008. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, my first night, I went to a dinner at Stella. Uh, My friends from Death & Company in in New York were having a night there. Uh, And Rob Cooper from the guy that owns St. Germain. uh, Well, now he doesn't. He sold it to Bacardi for $100 million. And I hate (laughs) it. Uh, What? Literally. Uh, So uh, he, he moved to Florida. It's a good place to move if you get a hundred thousand, hundred million dollars. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh yeah, yeah. The income tax is really, really. Oh low. yeah, but you can't, but you can't eat. <laughs> yeah, but you That's can fly to New York. You have a hundred million dollars. <laughs> uh, so um, he introduced me to Neil, uh, and Neil was working on Cure with Matt, our other partner, and I met them that night. Wait, the hundred million dollar guy is investor in your, in your no, restaurant? No, no, oh. no. He was just he just knew Neil. He just but knew him. It's a small world, the cocktail yeah. world, especially then. It was real small. You know, there was probably 15 fancy cocktail bars in the nation. What? You know, yeah. Really? I mean, Tales, I mean, Tales of the Cocktail has grown immensely as this thing has grown. It used to be a lot of, like, in the lobby, you'd see everyone you knew. Now it's insane. There's so many people in the industry. It's grown so large. But basically, I met Neil. We had dinner at, we actually had lunch at the Country Club and um, kind of shook hands on the deal, and that's it, man. We started working together, and... Right. I became partner about six months into Cure, um, and then we exploded that partner group a little more, uh, where, I, where when Belloc opened, I took a larger percentage, and now we have Cane and Table, et cetera. So now it's just you know a four-man team. Well, this has been a Mythbuster episode of, uh, of, of Midnight Menu so far. You've told us you, you've, you've rocked our world that cocktails weren't. Well, first, Marcus did with the squirrel thing, and that got me, got me all freaked <laughs> that out. Was but cool. then you, that was pretty cool. My grandma you, wouldn't do squirrels because she said they look like cats, by the way. <laughs> wow. Because they hunted squirrels. Okay, so then you, then, you, then you messed up, what, Mardi Gras and uh, cocktails. <laughs> and, up Mardi Gras. Yeah, you pretty much ruined it all. Oh. So why don't you, I want you to bust one more myth, though, for yeah. me. On, on the air, so he can't, he can't defend himself. Uh, Grant, our producer, has this mad ins- of all his insane ideas. One of them is that he thinks that alcohol is going to go the way of smoking. That it's going to be it's it, the way that we treat smoking now. It's going to be something that's like stigmatized but and marginalized. And what do you say to that? Alcohol is paleo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I mean, look, as modern science you know, grows right. and we understand things and insurance companies and banks control more of what we do. Yeah. It's the, possible. There'll be more, pro, there'll be more but prohibition. It would yeah. be real hard. I mean, prohibition destroyed this country. Right, right, right. 
I mean, I don't see a president getting in front of that bullet again. I mean, I just don't see it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know, there would have to be a lot. There'll more always be a Christian subculture though. Drink because yeah. the Bible, the Bible commands us to drink. It's like it's it's not like you it's not like you're allowed to drink. It's like a commandment. I'm yeah, going well, to hell if I don't drink. Well, I mean, historically, so. <laughs> you got to think about it too. Is alcohol was like. So there's I mean, always going to be a little. There's always going to be like a little like like rebellious subculture that'll drink even if they outlaw it. That could be a, that could be like an apocalyptic movie actually. Yeah. The whole thing is you can make <laughs> like Red alcohol Dawn. at home. It's right, not right. a difficult. There'll always prospect. be somebody doing it. Right. No, but I mean, so, I think what he means is like we're going to realize that it was bad for us, and we're going to realize is. that the downside is more than the upside, and da da da. Is that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I doubt that sincerely. I mean, it won't, if it happens, it won't be. I won't see it. No. <laughs> you know, I doubt my son does. You know? <laughs> Um, that would be a crazy world. I mean, they're about to legalize marijuana everywhere. How are they going to legal? How are they going to? Maybe they'll replace back? it. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll open a coffee shop today. <laughs> okay, so Kirk, you um, you obviously are still married because mm-hmm. I am. You, yeah, um, I made it. Yes, you made it, and uh, I I want to put you on the spot a little bit, Marcus. Uh-huh. Do you have any time uh, to? cultivate a relationship it's tough man it's tough uh i don't have time <laughs> yeah i got married a while ago so she, right? she stuck with me no it's hard man you know and it's uh i'm the king of i guess one year relationships you know <laughs> um, one year that's pretty good though yeah it is you know uh and i'm gonna go right now we've been together for about six months and it's going well how'd you guys meet we met at brunch actually uh in your restaurant yeah is she a customer yeah, she came in and she was she was late for a reservation, so I started busting her balls a little bit, and uh, she, could she got my her. number somehow, and then texted me a couple of days later, and you know. Wait, how many months into it are you? About six months. Five, so you got six months to go. Yeah, six months to go. <laughs> you know, on to the next one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're not listening to me. <laughs> no, no, she's a good girl, and it's uh, hopefully this one will stick around. You know, this yeah. industry's tough, man. I mean, it's. We don't do the nine to five, you know, there's so many different hours and, you know, and especially being in a hotel, it's seven days a week, 365 and never stops. You know? uh, what does she do? She works at the uh, World War II Museum. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Does That's she cool. have the more normal, more standard hours or no? Well, she does a lot of traveling. She does uh-huh. uh, fundraising for the museum. Oh, okay. So she travels a lot, you know. So she, she understands the uh Yeah, so she's not really, st- right, mean, right, right, right. And you have like chef groupies like chasing after you too? You see that every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> Could be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, y'all, it's uh, we've come to off the menu, where we ask you each a question that you would not be asked in any uh, reputable scenario, Uh or uh, you know. Once once you ask Marcus, so so it's like what happens in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it no, it's not. It's just nothing. uh, uh, Not a normal question that you would. but uh, Marcus, I am uh, would like to know uh, what is the most embarrassing thing that has happened in your. It can be in your restaurant career that you've learned the most from. Oh, that's tough, man. Uh, <laughs> is there a lot of embarrassing <laughs> things that happen? I don't think there's that many. That's what. No. Sure. Or uh, what about? Something where the statute of limitations has expired, yeah. Or what about the <laughs> wildest thing you've ever uh, seen in the kitchen at any of the... Boy, this place got really quiet, huh? <laughs> They're all waiting for your... Oh, the wildest thing I've seen in the kitchen. Come on, Leon or Aaron, they... they there was this place, there was this place back... Well, I'm not going to talk about Leon and Aaron. They're not here. Um, <laughs> Please do. No, I don't mean it. it no, I know, I know. No, 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 no. Um, I've definitely seen some... Definitely seen some love making on the bags of rice and uh, in a walk-in back in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Not gonna say the restaurant, but uh, <laughs> definitely seen those things. I think that was New Year's Eve, actually. Did they keep the job? Who was there. more embarrassed, you or them? I don't. I think they, they just kept going at it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they slowed down. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think they were embarrassed. Did they keep yeah. their job after that? I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't rat on nobody like that. You let them do that thing. Was it white yeah. or brown that's rice? A, that's yeah. a happy thing. <laughs> right? You know, y'all work so much, you got to fit it in while you can, I yeah, guess. Yeah, right? Yeah. So what's white, white or brown rice? Yeah, right? <laughs> didn't matter. Long grain. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Long grain. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, you see, that wasn't so terrible. No, it's not bad. Uh, All right. Kirk. Mm, Kirk. Uh what are what what are what are two uh, um, animals? Let's see. What, what do we call wild game animals that uh, that that uh, 
let's see if you had, just pick an, a game animal you'd like to try to have uh, your friend next to you serve you that you've never had before, like squirrel, okay. something else. Okay, so I have one that's not a game animal, and it's kind of weird, but my wife wouldn't let me do it, so I want to. I want to. Is it breast it milk? No, it's please placenta. say breast milk, please. Placenta. placenta. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Whoa, so that's wow. great. So when my son was born. You tried to eat I, the placenta? I talked at length about it heading up to the day that I wanted the placenta and I wanted to <laughs> like not do the powder capsules where you take it. I wanted to like get it and do something with it. Like, I don't know, 40-hour sous vide or something <laughs> weird, right? That would make it cool and interesting. Um, and then when my wife was in labor, like in the, Did she know, agree the, to this? The head's cresting at this moment. And she looks at me dead in the eye and says, if you ask about the placenta, I'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to bow down and look down and not do it. I think that it's a rare occasion that you may eat human being, (laughs) which is not acceptable in our culture. Except right then. Is it acceptable in any culture? I I mean, there's some some cannibal cultures, right? I don't know if there are any more, but, you know. but I thought that would be a really interesting thing to eat. I don't eat, even know where to go you know? with that. Yeah. So that one, you know, that's a good one. That is um, fascinating. That's so much better than I expected. Yeah, and then yeah. game animal. I don't really <laughs> Nothing know. Nothing. Well, who cares now? About yeah. everything. That, that you know? pales in comparison to placenta. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So do you know anybody that's done that with the placenta? Like cooked it? Or yeah, yeah. Done some, some or it. even no, eat most it? of the Yeah, like I know some people that got it. With I mean, I heard about years ago about cookbooks they had yeah, of the stuff modern, and all that, but there must have been somebody eating yeah, it. But I think most modern, people bought the cookbook weren't using it. Modern doctors, they, they, what they push you towards is a, like a freeze drying of it, and they powder it, and they put it in the capsules, and you take it. It's high collagen. It's like really good for your skin, et cetera, um, especially for the woman that just gave birth. There's, you know, it's supposed to like replenish yourself you know like you basically like high collagen is really good for your skin is really good for your hair and all that and you lose a lot of that when you're in the in the process so i don't know that's something that i want though one day maybe i might have a second one just so i can just just for the placenta yeah and hope maybe they'll drug her enough that like she won't know (laughs) yeah but then that'll that'll mess up the placenta i mean i like drugs Was that, was could that, you eat someone else's placenta? I don't think so. I mean, have to be I your mean, wife's yeah, placenta. Yeah, I, I guess know. you could, but I don't know that I'm comfortable asking anyone for that. I'd <laughs> <laughs> be a really good friend. Wow. So, yeah. how do you feel about breast milk? It's fine. It's sweet. <laughs> oh, you've had it. Yeah, of course. Of course, it was there. You know? I didn't have I didn't have milk for my cereal one morning, and there was a lot in the freezer. I know your wife would beat you up for that. That's like gold. That oh, stuff when the kid, it, you, know, you didn't okay. put it in your cereal. No, I didn't really put it in my cereal. I'm just cereal. saying it's precious. <laughs> there was some in there. I did think of it though. I thought maybe I'd have it in coffee, you know, just to try it. But I tried it sweet. You know. Uh, do you I, have I, a new I, perspective no, on there, right? on your uh, plus we got, we one a, now? We got a lot to talk about. Oh, no. I think we're out of time, Margo, unfortunately. You know, but uh, there's, there's several lessons. As I reflect on this evening, <laughs> <laughs> there will be several lessons I'll learn from this. And one of them is for our show, Margo. It's never a bad idea to bring up breast milk because every time we've done it, we've gotten Something, interesting answers. Yeah. 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 Uh, remember at Wayfair what happened there. That was like revolutionary. Yeah. yeah. Marcus, didn't do is that you? with Kevin? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I gotta hear this story. <laughs> You're gonna have He's, to listen to this. I show. brought it up randomly, like I just did here, like just because because she said something or whatever. And next thing you know, Kevin's going off about like how he finds this place. It's illegal in a basement in There's Paris. A place in New York that did it. That yeah, they made like ice cream like or something. Yeah, right. And cheese. Okay. It, yeah, yeah that, that's how he was. He found some place in Paris and he makes vacations around it. And he was like, it's he was, we we uncovered an obsession with him. I think. If I remember, am I remembering this right, or am I adding details to this? I think I'm adding a little bit Kevin to this. Kevin's like Kevin, gonna go, nah. Kevin just like drinks, that. like I said, you know, it's bar etymology. <laughs> <laughs> gets, gets We're in a bar. Lightly. Yeah, I've only had one porter though. I mean, but before like, we go, yes. I would like um, Marcus to yes. tell us about the hours. I mean, I know, yeah, and, and the address and and, and plug anything you would like to upcoming events. To, uh, so we're going to start doing uh, whiskey dinners again, which will be once a month. Um, it'll be a five-course tasting paired with a uh, different, uh, different brand. 
Um, the dates on that, it's it's normally the third uh, Thursday of the month, but depending with uh, Mardi Gras and all that coming on, it may change. Um, we are located at... Was it two Lee Circle? Well, yeah, the area? unofficial address is two Lee Circle. It's yeah. actually 936 St. Charles. Right. Oh. It's a big sign that says Hotel Modern <laughs> Lee Circle. Um, in hours of operation, we do breakfast from uh, 7, to 7 to 11, and then lunch from 11 to 2, and dinner from uh, 6 to... Six to ten on Sunday through uh, Thursday, and uh, six to six to eleven Saturday and uh, nice Friday and Saturday. And uh, do guests can they get food in the uh, hotel? Correct. We do our room service also, and we serve oh, in wow. Belloc until uh, until two o'clock so on Friday two and on Saturday. The weekends and Correct. midnight during the week. Yep. Now, is your whole menu available at Belloc, or just the select mm-hmm. items? No, it's, it's a certain menu. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and Kirk, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, about uh, any kind of contact information or hours or anything like sure. that about Cure and Belloc or okay. anything else you want to? Well, you know, Belloc is uh, next door to Tavoli and Lee on uh, 936 St. Charles, officially for cabs, number two Lee Circle. Um, and we're open from 4 to 2 on Friday and Saturday and 5 to midnight every other day. Uh, food is offered the entire time of those uh, deals. Uh, we have happy hour every day from open, so it depends sometimes 4, sometimes 5 till 7 uh, with $6 cocktails is a good little list. Um, Cure is at 4905 Ferret Street. Uh, we are now open from 3 to midnight on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Friday and Saturday we're open till 2, but we open at 3. And then the rest of the days it's 5 to midnight as well. And then we have Cane and Table in the French mm-hmm. Quarter. Full service restaurant, brunch, dinner, everything. The hours are bananas. I won't even get into it. But <laughs> we're open all the time. Let's go to our websites. All of them are thename.com. Our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One was Chef Marcus Woodham. And his plus one was Kirk, Kirk Estopinol. You can find out more about Tavoli and Lee at the Hotel Modern. Also about Cure and Belloc um, by following links on our website. It's neworleans.com. And thanks tonight to Petite Pet Care for loving care when you're not there, PetitePetCare.com. That's it for tonight's show. See you all next time on Midnight Menu Plus One. Till then, I'm Margot Moss. And I'm Ray Canada. Good night. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.